So tell us about what these culture champions look like and who are they and what is their charge in your organization? I will say they are global. They are in all of our offices. They have their own jobs. They have day jobs. Mm. They have been you know, anointed is not the right word, but I, but they are culture Kinda. champions. We call them yeah. that, mm. meaning someone's having a bad day. Someone needs to go for a walk, want to have a coffee with someone. How are you doing? Reaching out, making sure people have friends at the workplace, making sure that they're not the ones sitting alone at lunch, that type of thing. And so the way I found them were they were people just like me mm. that were doing this already but having a day job. And that way we build the connective tissue because that's our strength. So there are people I can rely on in my heart of hearts that have great intuition and want this to be the greatest career choice that anyone makes. Welcome to the Voices of HR podcast presented by HR Morning. I'm your host, Berta Aldrich, a performance coach and author of Winning the Talent Show. Each week, I have candid conversations with HR practitioners, thought leaders, and C-suite executives to tease out what works and what doesn't in human resources, people strategy, corporate culture, and more. Claude Silver is VaynerMedia's and the world's first ever global chief heart officer, tasked with fusing empathy and agency to unlock employee potential and foster a culture of belonging across the 2000 plus person organization. Between her deep education in psychology and spirituality, the two decades she spent as an advertising strategist, Claude has been studying and influencing human behavior for over three decades. Outside of her role at VaynerMedia, Claude speaks globally about the need for heart-led leadership in today's workplace and the importance of treating employees like people, not numbers. Her success in guiding client relationships, global brand strategies, operations, management, and culture is driven by her abiding passion for creating spaces in which people can show up as their true selves and thrive as a result. Claude, welcome to Voices of HR. Thank you so very much for having me. It's a a real honor. Well, we are so excited to have you here. And We just have to start off by asking the big question, which I know our Voices of HR audience wants to know, which is, tell us about the Chief Heart Officer title. You're not a traditional HR person. So tell us all about that. Yes. Okay, great. Well, I don't come from HR. I was a strategist (laughs) for a very, very long time. And in fact, I stayed away from HR it was uh, not a place I really wanted to venture into. It, it, it was not a relationship I had ever had mm. in any of the companies I was with. And so even though I love psychology and coaching and being that guide for people, it was something I stayed far, far away from. However, I was with VaynerMedia and Gary for 16 months. And right around my 16th month, I said to Gary, thank you so much. This is a great place. I love it here, but I no longer want to do advertising. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I only care about the people here. I care about the heartbeat, heartbeat. So one thing led to another. I actually resigned because there there was no role. And four months later, he called me back. We had breakfast and he said, that's it. You're coming back. You will be chief heart officer. And I knew what that meant in my bones. I knew what that meant because it's who I, 
who I am. It's what I've always been doing. Doesn't matter what what company I've been at, or doesn't matter what team I've been on. It's just something that is innately in me. Uh, just like some other people are are great at reading and uh, re- retaining that information. So I asked him two questions. One, cool, sign me up. What are we doing here? And he said, we're building the single greatest human organization in the history of time. Mm. Yes. And then, of course, I said, how do we know if I'm successful? And he said the following, you will touch every single human being in our agencies and infuse them with empathy. And that continues to be the only job description I have. So it's mine every day to figure out what to do with that as CHO. And the last thing I said, just to circle back on the first question is, I said, Gary, you know, I've never done HR, wasn't my thing. I stayed away from HR. And he said, that's great. You'll hire a very strong team around you. Mm. So in, in time and in years, I feel like I've, I've hired people that are rock stars with the, the science of it, the art and the science, I would say, of HR. And then, of course, I changed the, the name of the department to people and experience because that's what we're doing. I love that story so much. And it tells me so much about him as a, he's a big personality, right? I mean, he's out on social media. Everybody knows who Gary is, but he is one of those CEOs who actually walks the walk. And this is proof of that, right? Mm -hmm. And that he can identify talent like you and let you go do your job. It's amazing. The autonomy that I have and the autonomy that we give everyone is extremely important mm. because, for example, in this job, there that's the job description. So I have to figure it out. I can't say to Gary, well, how do I infuse empathy throughout the organization? Right. Obviously, it's something that he saw and he felt and he believed in. And so it was mine to manifest and to bring people with me. Culture Champions is a big part of scaling the heart scaling culture. So tell us about that. So tell us about what these culture champions look like and who are they and what is their charge in your organization? I will say they are global. They are in all of our offices. They have their own jobs. They have day jobs. Mm. They have been you know anointed is not the right word, but I but they are culture champions. We call them that. Yeah. They are people who I believe could substitute as me or as Gary in a heartbeat, Mm. meaning someone's having a bad day, someone needs to go for a walk, want to have a coffee with someone, how are you doing, reaching out, making sure people have friends at the workplace, making sure that they're not the ones sitting alone at lunch, that type of thing. And so the way I found them were they were people just like me Mm. that were doing this already, but having a day job. And so when I So I'll tell you what I do. Around 90 days, 120 days, I will meet with all of our new joiners. And in those meetings, which are 15 minutes each, I will ask them a variety of questions. And one of them will get to, have you made any friends? Have you met people mm-hmm. outside of your core? If they haven't, I will say, I would love to introduce you to nine culture champions around the globe. You're going to have 15-minute conversations with them. Do it in the next three months. And that way we build the connective tissue because that's our strength, our connections, osmosis, asking someone who's been here for nine years, why have you been here for nine years? 
You know, why have you been here for, why did you leave and come back? Those types of things. So there are people I can rely on in my heart of hearts that have great intuition and want this to be the greatest career choice that anyone makes. And how do you recommend, because I'm sure all of our listeners are thinking right now, I would love to have an organization like that. So as you think about where most traditional HR departments are today, they're just trying to get by. You know, they're trying to get post-COVID, they're trying to get their people back in the office, you know, all of these tactical issues. This is so much more of a strategic brand issue for you. Um, Any recommendations on how they could start the conversation with their CEO or with their leader to infuse this type of culture? Absolutely. And I am very lucky because I have a boss that is promoting this and is all about that. And I I recognize that. And what I say to this question is you always want to benchmark where you are. So benchmark where these 20 people are in their happiness, in their fulfillment, in their enjoyment of work, in their wanting to come back to the office, whatever it is. Benchmark that. Go to your CEO, your CFO, whomever it is, your board, and say, I'd like to do a study. It'll take six to nine months. I only need a little bit of money. Hmm. And then you start. You start having courageous conversations with them. You start doing a book club. You start spending time with one another, getting to know one another creating those safe, courageous spaces for one another. Mm-hmm. And in six or nine months, whenever your study is over, you will test them again. You will survey them. And I guarantee you will see a spike in enjoyment, pleasure, wanting to come to work, wanting to be in the office more. Because at the end of the day, we're wired to belong. Mm-hmm. Human beings are wired to belong. We want to be with one another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need a little motivation or we need to feel like we matter, not just that we're valued, not just that we're important, that we matter, that I matter to you. So you take that study and you go back to the CEO and you say, we've seen an increase in 50% engagement, 45% engagement, and I'd like to put some money behind this. We still have our regular jobs. You know, we'll still do, we'll do what, what, it, what we need to do to keep the lights on and, and all of that. And we truly believe that leaning in on culture in this way and spreading kindness and spreading compassion and camaraderie is the way of tomorrow. And we want to be there tomorrow. We want to retain these folks. And obviously we want to attract newer folks. It is about connectedness. And when you, when an HR pro goes into their organization and starts having these conversations, is that how you identified the culture champions then? Or how did you identify them? I love that question. I have to tell you, I've never been asked that question. So thank you. I identified them in all of my travels in all of my 15 minutes or 30 Mm -hmm. minutes with people. And I got a sense of who they were. Mm -hmm. And I got a sense that they were interested in the purpose and they were interested in something bigger than just coming in every single day and doing their day job, which is a lot already. But it was literally an intuitive gut check. And you know, as well as I know, when you ask someone if they want to be a culture champion, they light up. Yeah. You chose me. Yeah. I love your attitude. Yeah. Why me? Because look at who you popping off the screen. You're lightning in a bottle. Yes. I want you on my team, you know, or so that in itself gives someone a real, you know, a real pep 
And this is what it's about. Like we know people are burnt out. People are experiencing Mm -hmm. alienation and loneliness. And there's a lot of anxiety in the water and everything that you and I read about every single day. And so bolstering them with that culture champion, that's not HR. Right. They're just going for a coffee walk. I don't go back and say, hey, Chris, how was that walk you took with Johnny? I don't. If Chris wants to come to me or if there was sensitive information, sure, they can come to the PET team. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, you've just met a great friend and you both Mm -hmm. like drumming or you both like Pearl Jam or you both want to go to Bali. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's interesting because this is such a practical and tangible way to live your culture and your values. And I think it's what we miss most in organizations today is that we talk about the culture. We write it on the wall, but we don't give people the tools to actually live it. And culture champions can help you live your organizational culture and values. Exactly. And it is it really is of no cost. Right. These are people that are just like you and me that that are good citizens. Right. That you know, you hold the door open for someone when you're leaving the bank, and mm-hmm. so does this person. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Someone that will just go the extra mile to make someone's day a little bit better, to leave someone feeling just a little bit brighter. That's it. So when you hire into your organization, I suspect you used to have a way that you maybe hired in the past. Maybe, you know, we hear a lot about cultural fit. Um, Then we've heard cultural ad. How do you hire? Love the question. Thank you. When I took over as a CHO, we didn't have any HR in place. So we had a couple of recruiters, we had some benefit people, but we really didn't have anyone. And so it was really starting from scratch. What I noticed, because I had been at the company for 16 months, is that we had a strong culture, but we had a lot of apples and apples and apples and apples. And we know that we need to diversify the floor and create an inclusive culture in all of our offices to attract and to retain. And because it's the right thing, we're a microcosm of the macrocosm. Yes. So I immediately took away the term culture fit because it was getting a same, 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 same. Too many people that like Pearl Jam. Mm. There wasn't enough jazz in there, country music and whatnot. So I changed it to skill set fit and culture addition. The skill set fit really allowed us to hire people that we knew could do the job today, tomorrow, and that we actually thought would be with us for the next five to 10 years, Mm. rather than getting the same, same, same. And so we diversified basically the fruit basket, which opened us up to more curiosity, to, to hearing about different cultures, to seeing things through another person's eye, wherever they may be. And that has been a real win for us. It has been not only do I believe it's the right thing to do, I think it is the smart thing to do. What we used to do when we were hiring for Culture Fit is assume you and I like culture, uh, like Pearl Jam. And so you're, I'm just, we're good. You're going to come in, you're going to do the job, and I'll see you in three months, sink or swim. Yeah. And that can only get you so far, especially in a company like ours that is growing like a rocket ship. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What, what has your growth been? So we are, so we have um, a holding company called VaynerX. Mm. VaynerX is the umbrella to all of our other companies. So I actually work for VaynerX. VaynerX has 2,000 people around the globe. 
that I work for, whatever whatever business they're on, whatever company they're in, VaynerMedia itself is probably close to a thousand right now. Um, New York being the biggest headquarters that we have, and then we have our other hubs are London, Amsterdam, Singapore, Southeast Asia, Australia, LA, Mexico City, and Toronto. Yeah. So you have been doing a lot of hiring. Yes. yes. And for this skill set fit and culture edition. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about the skill set fit. Great. We created what's called core competencies across the board in every department for every role you're in. These core competencies are foundational and functional. Foundational are how you behave, your behaviors Mm. that we expect, kindness, being the bigger person in every situation, going out of your way to help someone out. Functional is the skills you need, the craft you need to do your job efficiently Mm -hmm. and effectively and, and exceptionally. Each and every role has those. So if you are a copywriter, for example, you will have your core competencies around that skill. Mm-hmm. It will tell you where what you need to get to the next level, where that gap is. Wow. And so that is part of the people and experience team. That is something that we walk you through. We also do a lot of talent mapping throughout the year in each department to assess where this person is in their journey and their growth and what it is we're doing today. Are they underachievers? Are they enigmas? Are they high performers? Are they going to be the next CFOs, CEOs? And we spend time, obviously, figuring out the enigmas because we want to figure it out. Are they in the wrong job? Are they in the wrong company? Are they working on the wrong account? And we spend time with our high performers because obviously that's really our bread and butter. And we need them to be mentoring those that are in and around them. So it sounds like you hire for both skill and culture. But you also, once they're in your organization, you really go to a lot of effort to help them not only succeed in their current role, but help them achieve if they want to continue to ascend and take on more responsibility and be challenged in a different way. Sounds like in a, in a very individualized way. Extremely high touch. It is extremely high touch. And I I will tell you what my remit is for 2024 that Gary just gave me. Mm. Oh boy, let's hear it. To meet, (laughs) to sit with, to get to know all 2000 people. Wow, That is high touch. That's high touch. That's extremely high touch. And they have their HR business partner already. And they have their managers. And that's what we do. We spend time with people. We want to really ensure that you know, we made an agreement with them when they joined. You will give us your authentic, consistent self, mm-hmm. your energy, your brain, your wisdom, your curiosity, your generosity, and we are going to give you opportunity at bats. You are going to work on Fortune 10, Fortune 50 companies. Mm-hmm. You can innovate here. You have a large runway to run with. And that's the agreement we make. And so it's very important that we are keeping check on that both on both sides. Yeah. So you, so once they come into your organization, they have these discussions, 
you watch over their their career, you have one-on-one conversations with them. What does the feedback loop look like? We just had someone on last week, Jason, um, who talked about year-end appraisals and, and how those are so outdated. And it's really about constant feedback. I suspect you have a different take on this or a unique take on this. Well, yeah, it's it's similar to Jason's in that we've done away with annual reviews because that doesn't okay. really help anyone. Uh. What we do is we have quarterly reviews, which are check-ins. Okay. And we have changed that to growth. We've used different nomenclature because naming and labeling creates either panic or, or desire in exactly. someone's ears, right? Yes. So everyone will have a growth plan, a career plan. Meaning you come in today, you're going to sit with your manager in 30 days or so, and you're going to go over the role that you're in, the core competencies, Mm -hmm. and then that will be the guide, your trail map for the rest of your career at Vayner, whether or not you move to Australia, whether or not you change departments, whether or not you become a manager. And that way we can keep, we can keep track of what, where it is you're going and what it is you need. And this is something we're iterating on all the time. So the other thing that I'm really excited about is uh, I would say three years ago, four years ago, I all of a sudden said, wow, I am missing so many people because all I see is their exit interview. Mm. And their exit interview told me that it didn't work. And their exit interview told me X, Y, and Z, and that's not okay. So we have 120 day reviews where they meet with their HR business partner. 120 days after you started, Mm. we ask you three questions. We want you to stay. And that is a good indication Mm. of what we can do to shape shift, to see what's going on. Or if it's going great, let's continue. So it is constant. It's constant. I love how your focus is on what most companies talk about which is growth, right? Every Most companies want to grow and yeah. it takes the people growing with them in order to succeed. So every single person in your organization has a growth plan or a career plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everyone has seen their core competencies. And that's really your, that's the Bible for you. So it's, it's so important because even you and I in invisible ink right here, Mm -hmm. it says, help me grow. I want to grow. Even you and I. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. That's our responsibility. That's my responsibility. That's everyone's responsibility, but that is the PET team's responsibility and the managers and the mid-level managers. And that's what we promised you. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want you to stagnate. We want you to continue with us. So you have talked about too, about the way in which you ask your folks to provide feedback to each other Mm -hmm. is honest yet kind candor. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's correct. Well, we are nice guys and gals. Mm -hmm. And nice guys and gals don't want to hurt people's feelings, Mm -hmm. just like everywhere else. And so what we were doing was either withholding feedback subconsciously, not intentionally, or we were giving praise. Mm -hmm. Or that was a great presentation. But you don't really walk out with anything to to work on, right? Right. 
So a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, we read Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And then I started to vainerize it. And then Gary <laughs> decided to put the word kind in front of candor because that's who we are. And that is our belief. If we are creating that safe space and removing fear from that conversation, we can be honest. We are coming into it with really one thing in mind, which is how can we help you? What is it that you need from us? And that's a pie in the sky question. You can answer it, you know, a zillion ways, but that's where we are today with, with our, with our people. You know, everyone's got, everyone's got a, a different roadmap and we want to make sure that we can help them achieve it. And if we can't, that is okay. Also, we have an alumni program. So when people leave us or we let them go, they will be contacted by the person that runs our alumni program. And this is a place where loads and loads of CMOs or directors are sending us their jobs. And who doesn't want someone from VaynerMedia? If they're not uh, performing at 100% or 90% at our company, that doesn't mean they're bad. Right. It means it might be the wrong company. Right. And you might be phenomenal at Kellogg's and you might be terrific at Pepsi. Right. So we try to place place as many people, I should actually say, we network and we will get you that first conversation. And if we need to put more muscle behind it, we will. Amazing. Amazing. It's it's very cool. I have never heard of another company doing that. It's always what you, I think, would aspire a company would do. Because to your point, you could be a high performer someplace else, just not at your organization. Yeah, for sure. So now your so Gary has also said to you, and I love this, go find the fear or go find the cancer. What is he talking about? Yeah, he is talking about the cynicism. Mm. He is talking about the bully. He is talking about the micromanager. He is talking about the manager that uh, just gave someone really, really sensitive feedback in an inappropriate way. Mm. He is talking about the person crying in the bathroom. And how do I find those people? Well, I listen to my team. I listen to managers. I meet with so many people during the day. Mm -hmm. I get a sense. I reach out to people all the time on Slack or on text, just, Hey, thinking about you, let's catch up. Mm -hmm. And so what this is trying to do is be as proactive as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Where there is smoke in the distance, that's where I want to go. I don't mm-hmm. want to wait until it's a blazing fire. It's too late. I don't want to wait until that exit interview. I'm helpless. Mm-hmm. But myself and this organization can do a lot of proactive good if we know what's up. Mm-hmm. And that means we need you to share with us. And that can be a scary thing for some people. They would rather share on Glassdoor or on Fishbowl, which is a whole nother thing. So I stay quite busy getting the phone calls from Mm -hmm. executives where they have been bullied or they have been literally tortured by their, their boss or even a peer within their organization at the executive level. And I have to work through that with them and explain to them what, what is actually happening it's most often not what they think. So what happens when you find, and I suspect there's not very many, 
but you find the smoke, you find the cancer, you find the fear. What does that conversation look like? What is going on? Mm -hmm. I have heard, or we have heard now from five people on your team that they don't feel comfortable sharing with you. They, you know, I'll find another word for a bully. Your micromanager. What is it? Tell me what's going on. Do you not trust them? You're safe here. Mm-hmm. You're safe here. You're doing you're doing great here. However, that's a big vulnerability. So tell me what's going on. Now, I will say last year, I had this conversation with a senior executive and what was going on is his father was being moved to a nursing home. Well, that's a huge life event. Mm-hmm. And he felt powerless. And so he chose to find power in the people in his department. Mm-hmm. And that was an easy equation. Mm-hmm. It took us a while to get there, but it was an easier equation and he's doing great and the team is doing wonderfully. But it is really about entering into that conversation just as human as I can possibly be, mm-hmm. as human as I can be. And that is obviously sharing ways in which I might be a micromanager, which doesn't really happen, but ways, ways in which I look, I'm not perfect. This is not a utopia. This is, this is hard work every single day. And it is hard work to direct a team and to work in this environment in this financial economic environment. So there are a lot of stresses, but what we just want to say is everything, there's a solution to almost everything here. What is it? Except someone's health. What is it? What can we help you with, manager, so that you don't feel like you need to breathe down someone's neck or criticize them in front of people? That's a, that's a non-negotiable. That's not going to happen again. And we will find every now and then that there are people that they're not interested in changing their behavior. Mm-hmm. Or they still can't quite quite clock their behavior and understand it. And, you know, there's, there's only so much we can do at the end of the day. I'm not, I'm not a therapist and, you know, I, we, we want people to have such a great experience here. We really mm-hmm. believe that this is a place that people can stay at in the ecosystem for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So we need to have people that are rowing in the same direction as us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we mean when we go find the fear or find the cynicism. I've heard you mention this more than once two, three times so far, what can we do to help you? How can we help you? And as I'm listening to you say that, I take myself back to being an employee or a team member and wishing that my manager would have asked me that just once. I have never had that question asked of me in my entire career. Now I ask it of the people that are my clients, but that is such a powerful question. Yeah, thank you. It is. It's literally, it freezes someone in the best of ways. Mm-hmm. I believe that it takes down that fight, flight, fear. Yeah. And it's literally, what is it that you need? Tell me what you need, either in this moment mm-hmm. or in the next 30 days. And that's it. And, and again, we'll do as much as we possibly can. And mm-hmm. there's a lot we can do. A lot of the time, it is about connecting people. It is about taking action. And, you know, I said in a video a zillion years ago, maybe seven years ago, people need people. People need people that listen and then do something. And when someone comes to me, 
That is my job, to listen and to do something. I want them to feel like this is a fertile place. They can learn about AI and they can learn about platforms and they can learn about the back end of TikTok. They can learn so much here. Mm -hmm. So you have an organization, obviously, that is caring and you have built this incredible culture that you really tend to and nurture every single day, literally, because you're talking to every single uh, person in your organization throughout the year, but you still achieve bottom line results because I mean, just listening to Gary V, right. And listening to you, yes, it is still a business. And so can you share with our listeners a little bit about how this approach to caring and humanization of employees, for lack of a better term, I know that you don't call them employees, team members, um, how that has shaped your bottom line results? It is one, it is one thing that we are constantly looking at, I will tell you that. Mm -hmm. And I go back to the term kind candor. I go back to when it is we have an employee that is an enigma or who is an underperformer. And what have we done there? Have we given that person feedback? Have we introduced that person to subject matter experts? Have we given that person coaching if they've asked for it or uh, uh, different trainings? What have we done? It's our promise. What have we done? And where are they in the system? If they have not improved or they don't want to improve or we haven't seen improvement, we have conversations with them. Mm. And that might be something to the effect of, you know, we're doing a reorg mm -hmm. or we are letting you go today. You know, this will be a tough conversation. Um, this is why, as you know, we've gone through a growth plan with you in the last 90 days. We've asked to see these improvements. And then, and then we have that conversation. What that allows us to do on the other side is hire top talent, is find top talent. That's what it, that's what, and sometimes that top talent, they're boomerangs. They're people that have been mm -hmm. with us and they left for three years and they're coming back. So that is helpful to our bottom line. When we look at where we might have bloat in the system, mm -hmm. where we've got five people going to a meeting that really only required one mm -hmm. or two, you know, everyone likes to go to meetings because you all want to hear the same thing, but it's like just two people, just one person. That's fine. Yeah. It's, it's all good. Uh, everyone wants to be on that video call. So it's getting smarter with how we spend our time, how we mm -hmm. spend our energy, and really being able to look at our top talent and our bottom talent and being mm -hmm. honest about it. And that is tough because if you are the department head and I say to you, we just went through talent planning, you saw it, and there's three people on, on the bottom, mm -hmm. we're going to have to move on them you will find a reason to keep them, even though you just told me they're bottom talent, mm -hmm. mostly because you don't know how soon we can hire in the next person, mm -hmm. mostly because we just landed a big client, mostly because everyone feels overworked. So it's a, it's a interesting conversation and a, and a human dynamic to be in mm -hmm. when there are people that operate from scarcity and there are people that operate from abundance and we want to operate from abundance. Mm -hmm. There are solutions to pretty much everything. Yeah. We are a big company. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you think about your top talent, 
I have to ask you this question. When you think about what skills they need in the future, I would say even now in the future, as we go through this enormous shift in the workplace, what do you think are the top three to five skills that great leaders, high performers need in order to be considered high performer in the future? Vulnerability is an enormous piece of that. Um, Accountability is an enormous piece of that. Being willing to say, you know what, that's on me. Mm. Because once you take responsibility, it's in the past. It's done. We can move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listening, communication, of course. Mm -hmm. Leaving someone better than you found them is enormous to me. It is enormous. I don't know what skill that is necessarily. Uh, There are a lot of skills that go into that. I think there's a skill called curiosity Mm. and being interested in things that are going on in culture and the zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. whether or not that is AI, whether or not that is influencers, whether or not that is TikTok. That those things are, they go a long way. We want, we, you know, I'm interested in people that are interested Mm -hmm. in this world and also interested in giving to this world Mm -hmm. and also interested in knowing that they're here to do something massive and wonderful. And when I say massive size actually doesn't matter. I mean, massive with the heart. Mm. I mean, massive for other people, massive for a culture. And I want to just share something that uh, is really important to me that my Nana, who she died at 101 a few years ago, Mm. but up until she was 100, when I would go home and I would take her to the bank or I would take her to Trader Joe's or I would take her wherever she would hand her credit card to Berta, who's the cashier at Trader Joe's, and, and uh, you might help her use the machine, or I might help her use the machine, and you'd hand her her receipt. And she would look up at you, and she, you have a name tag on, and she would say, Berta, and you would say, uh-huh, would you do me a favor and have a peaceful day? Oh. And she'd walk out. Every person she came in contact with. So let's bottle that skill. Mm-hmm. That's the skill we need. That is the skill we need moving forward. Okay. So unfortunately we are at the end of our regular conversation, but we have this thing at the end called rapid fire questions. So these okay. are one sentence questions with one sentence answers that we ask so that the audience can get to know you a little bit more. Are you willing to play? I am ready. You're shifting. You're like, okay, I'm ready to go. All right. Oxygen in my lungs. I'm ready. (laughs) What is the biggest challenge you're facing as a leader today? And how are you dealing with it? Scaling the heart when I can only be at one place at one time. And I am leaning on those culture champions and I'm leaning on the managers and leaders in those other areas in a big way. What are bad recommendations you hear in HR being passed off as best practices? (laughs) Feel the fear and do it anyway. If I can kind of bottle that and figure (laughs) out what that is, you know, going back to the person that just yelled at you and saying, can I have a conversation with you? Putting yourself in positions that are not safe. Mm. Those three sentences. What's your first 90-day playbook 
as a new head of HR, what would you recommend they focus on? Getting to know as many people as you possibly can from the top down, bottom up, middle, 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 but certainly the people that are running the organization, listening. So I call it a listening tour. Mm -hmm. Usually it's 30 days that we have people do, Mm -hmm. and then they are assigned to different products or pods to get to know more of the business because as you and I know, in HR, we're the back office. Mm-hmm. So we're not on the front lines looking at the new pitch deck today. Mm-hmm. Or we didn't know that we just won this client. So we need to socialize ourselves to socialize our team so that we can be more a part of the business, not just people that are there to partner with or, or provide something, but we want to be a part of. So get to know those department heads, get to know what it is we do, have people walk you through the pitch deck, how we think, why we think that way. Why does Gary care about kind candor? Those things. So people first, business second. Always. What advice would you give to someone just starting out in HR? Remind yourself why you have chosen this career path. And I would say 99% of the time, it's because you want to be with people and you want to be helpful and facilitate growth. Stay true to that. When you get overwhelmed, how do you refocus? Well, I have a little meditation mantra that I will say in, in my head maybe one, two or three times. Um, I will definitely get up or shift, Mm. walk around. Um, If I need to speak to someone, I will. If I need to shake off the energy, you know, usually it's, it's, it's an energetic thing. Um, Sometimes I'll have one of those little balls, you know, I'll, I'll steal like a squish ball from one of my daughters. Squish balls. Yeah. 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 Um, But refocusing really is all about reminding myself what it is I'm here to do and taking my ego out of the way as much as I possibly can. This isn't about me. In those 15-minute conversations, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It is about them. I am creating and holding space for them so that we can make this the best place ever. If you could have your own billboard that would reach millions of people, or I should say in your uh in your purview, billions of people, what would your message be? The, the, I have two. The first one is around emotional optimism, which is something I talk a lot about. And emotional optimism is the, the ability to feel your feelings, to understand you are feeling sad. That situation made you mad, but to know not only with hope, with faith, with optimism, but with support that tomorrow's another day Mm -hmm. that you get another bat. You get another at bat. Isn't that great? You get another at bat. You have to be willing to feel it and put it aside. That's emotional optimism. So I need to come up with the billboard for that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other, the other one is around um, a revolution of tenderness. You know, these all sound so self-helpy as I'm saying them out loud and they sound a little biblical if you think about it. But what I really mean is I would like to be a part of, create, co-create, doesn't matter to me, a revolution of tenderness in our workplaces. We have so much armor on. 
it's astounding. We all do. How can we recreate the world of work in a way that really matches up with who we are as a society and what these generations below us are asking for? Because they will be the CEOs very soon. They will be signing our paychecks very, very soon. And it doesn't have to be the way it was 100 years ago, 50 years ago, Gen X, 20, 30 years ago. It's a different world. And we need tenderness. People need tenderness. So I was going to ask you, what's the main takeaway you'd like me to leave with the audience? And I think you just answered that. I think I answered that. I think you answered that. Where can people go to learn more about you? And we didn't talk about this, but find your podcast, which yes. is incredible. Thank you. Uh, the podcast is called Emotional Optimism, Living in the Silver Lining. And you can find that on Spotify or Apple. They're really quick segments. Um, I'm, I'm pretty vocal on LinkedIn. That's where I really do a lot of sharing. And it's, uh, it's not premeditated. It's usually something that's happened in that day or the day before that I'm talking about. Um, I have a website, clodsilver.com, but reach out, please, please reach out. I'd love to know what people are up to. So today we have been joined by Claude Silver, Chief Heart Officer at VaynerMedia. Thank you again so much for joining us, Claude. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already left a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd really appreciate it. If you have any feedback or questions about the show, drop them in the comments wherever you listen or email podcast at hrmorning.com. To find me, go to bertaaldrich.com or send me a message on LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more Voices of HR.